The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome in, hour number two, the early line, live right here on SportsGrid on this Thursday morning. Tevin Walsh, Donnie Wrightside, making it happen with you. Let's talk some Olympic basketball. We're at the break right now of France-Slovenia. Why not start there? How about a 48-46 halftime lead, the third quarter just getting underway. That lead for France. Donnie, you and I have been talking about this here a little bit, maybe seeing things differently. Slovenia has become the darling of everyone's eye, including the odds makers favorite in this game. That still surprised me a little bit, considering that France beat Slovenia during this Olympics. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out, because Luka Doncic obviously is the apple of everybody's eye in the NBA and across the world. He's so much fun to watch and so dominant. And you follow along on Twitter. I mean, look what Slovenia is doing here on the national Olympic stage. Two million people, as he stated in his last tweet, you know, for the entire country. And here they are in the top four in the basketball world and maybe looking forward to playing the U.S. national team for a gold medal. Doncic about midway through the game, 14 points, six rebounds, doing exactly what we thought, probably on the way to possibly a 30-point effort here as we see France 53-49 with 7.29 to go in the third quarter of this one. You're on Team France. I'm on Team Slovenia. By the end of the show, will we have, actually, you know what? We probably are going to have a final by the time we get off the air here on the early line. We'll see how it plays out. But just also from a basketball perspective, I would love to see Luka Doncic in the final to try to win a gold medal against Team USA. I think that would be good ratings, hopefully, even though I probably don't know where it's played, what channel it's on, or what time it's even going to come on in my neck of the woods here. But I'll be rooting for it, and I'll certainly try to find it. I'd say last night after a tremendous edition of AEW Dynamite, I was, you know, finishing some things up there. I saw the first quarter was uh, tightly contested between USA Australia. I'm like, I should stay up and watch this, but I couldn't do it. I couldn't possibly do it. So I, I just, man, it's been tough. The, the Olympics have been tough. People have talked about it a lot. The ratings significantly down here. It feels to me, we've mentioned this, almost like an international basketball tournament with other events going on around it. One of the interesting things about the Slovenia rise, and, and just so people understand what we're talking about here, Slovenia, by the time we enter the knockout stage, was being priced as the second best team in this tournament behind USA. Which is interesting because if you go to the FIBA World Rankings last updated in February, so I can understand there's some changes in that regard potentially. But you had Slovenia as the 16th team in the world. France was 7th, Australia 3rd, USA of course number 1. It was always interesting to see Slovenia in that spot. Again right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook, France is up by 5, laying 4.5 points live, a plus 168 number on Luka and Slovenia to advance a live total as well, high 185.5. But the winner of that game will go on to play the United States, Donnie, a 97-78 to victory for this team here over Australia. Yeah, it was a nice win by them. And also, when you take a look at Luka Doncic versus France, uh, just to recap that for a moment, France has some pretty good NBA players mm-hmm. on it. It's basically Luka versus the world right now as he's taking every and all comers <laughs> on one by one. So going up against the United States, he will just try to be that one-man wrecking crew if they do get there. But Team France obviously looking like a good squad here up in the third quarter. But getting back to the United States, that's a nice victory because if you just read the final score and didn't see the box score or anything that happened in the game, oh, 
probably figured it was a wire-to-wire -wire easy victory with the United States crews. It wasn't the case all the way through. Obviously, being down at the break didn't help, but Popovich making some moves in the second half. And maybe, you know, when you take a look at the international teams, Kevin, a lot of those guys play a lot longer together and have more cohesiveness than Team USA. Maybe it just took Team USA getting those couple lumps there in Las Vegas in the exhibition season, heading over to Tokyo, getting the camaraderie together, getting the, you know, the floor spacing down, playing a different game. Because the one thing that we do know, you watch an NBA game, there's a lot of ticky-tack fouls that the superstars get. In international basketball play like the Olympics, you don't get that. So maybe that adjustment period was needed. But the one thing for sure, the United States can play defense. Holding Australia to 78 points, that is a great feat here. That holds well if they want to take down an Olympic medal. And if we could have just said before the tournament started and even back to when they were playing in Las Vegas, yeah, they're the favorite to win the gold medal. But my goodness, I'm not even sure they can get there at this point the way they're playing, especially with the loss to France right away when the Olympics started. Nice rebound for the United States playing for gold. That's where they should be. Radio audience in full effect here. Thanks to all those that are listening to the early line on Sports Grid Radio. Kevin Walsh, Donnie Wrightside, talking about USA advancing to the gold game after beating Australia 97-78 there. It's a great point, Donnie, about the defensive side of the basketball. The third quarter, 32-10 to was, a, was the USA margin of victory in that third quarter. That is just tremendous work there. You look at it holding Patty Mills to 5 of 14 shooting, who has been an absolute menace when matching up against this USA squad, was exactly that when they played them during the uh, exhibition stage when Australia beat them. So that was a big boost here. What's also interesting, Don, and we've talked about this a lot, just kind of tracking the results from a spread perspective for this United States squad here, things have completely flipped around from where they were early. Your first quarter, first half covers, and then transitioning off of the full game. No longer the play here. USA comes out slow, picks it up a little bit in the second quarter, and then just blows away their opponents here in the second half, which I think will make their championship game odds fascinating. I still would anticipate their double-digit favorites over either France or Slovenia. And rightfully so. And you're right. Maybe it is a different approach where we're taking a look at the, you know, Team USA getting out quick in the first quarter, in the second quarter. Maybe they found their rhythm here and they have their rotations down. Looking forward to a big-time performance in the gold medal game for Team USA. No doubt about it. All right. We take a break here on the early line. When we come back, the NFL Hall of Fame game. NFL football here. We'll break it all down live on the early line on SportsGrid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Steelers NFL Hall of Fame game the preseason begins NFL football Pittsburgh a two-point favorite the total very very low 
32 and a half. Though, if you look through other preseason games that are listed, and by the way, they do have a good chunk of preseason football available to you, you will notice there is only one game with a total of 40 or better. That total, by the way, is just a flat 40. It's a Cowboys-Cardinals game. You can tell that, especially the early beginnings here, they anticipate low-scoring football. That's why these totals are so low. Donnie, I guess the best way to start here is really just the the viability on betting preseason football. Is, is this a market that maybe is a little bit weak, or is this maybe something that people can have a little bit of fun with, but don't go crazy blowing the bankroll? Yeah, you can absolutely have fun of it. For myself, I've, I don't think I ever remember betting a preseason football game. More of my, you know, scoping and handicapping and watching for the regular season is taking a lot of notes like, hey, this young kid looked good. This guy looked good over here. And particularly from the first game of the preseason, it's not really the one you're looking for. Now, keep in mind, they don't really scheme on any preseason games, meaning that each football team spends Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday during the week scheming for their preseason game on the weekend. They're more looking towards the regular season and getting ready for their first couple of opponents and putting in some packages for that. And you're going to be ultra vanilla. Do you want to run your best fake punt play? in game one of the preseason late in the third quarter to pick up a first down to extend the drive so Ben DiNucci can get a couple more snaps here for the Cowboys? No, absolutely not. But there is something to, number one, organizations that care about the scoreboard, Kevin. And that means no matter where we're playing, what's happening, we are competing. The Baltimore Ravens, Seattle Seahawks, they have had some big-time preseason wins because they believe in winning the game goes far in your psychology. Hey, no matter when we take the field, Kevin, we want to win the football game. And other organizations are just trying to work on some things and stay healthy. But if you can look to a quarterback advantage in this game, I do think the Pittsburgh Steelers have that. You're not going to see Dak Prescott, probably not going to see, obviously, Ben Roethlisberger in this game, but the backup quarterbacks for the Steelers, they've been there, done that, and had some success in the preseason in the past. Dwayne Haskins, Joshua Dobbs, Mason Rudolph, they're not going to get on their center like, oh my goodness, I'm calling my first game on the center. How exciting. Hey, Mom, can you see me on TV? And I might only be here for a couple weeks, so I better you know, get my snaps in. You take a look over from the Dallas Cowboys' perspective, obviously, without Dak Prescott, Cooper Rush, Garrett Gilbert, and Ben DiNucci, super star Ben DiNucci that we saw him last year in a game versus the Philadelphia Eagles, which looked like he won maybe a lottery ticket from a fan base that said, hey, you get the start for the Dallas Cowboys tonight. Go ahead and have some fun with it, which he certainly had some fun against the Eagles in a terrible losing effort. But just on that perspective here, if you're looking to bet the football game, I probably would lean towards the Pittsburgh Steelers, Kevin, just because I do think they have the better quarterback situation over the next, or excuse me, over the first four quarters here. So I, I think it's a I think this game specifically is quite interesting because of the quarterbacks that are in play. You mentioned on the Pittsburgh side of things, Mason Rudolph is a guy that has legitimate starting NFL reps under his belt. He is then going to pass the football over to Dwayne Haskins, who the exact same thing is true of. And then supposed to be Joshua Dobbs finishing off the deal who has been in this Steelers organization for a while, never really has had to start a game, but at least is a name that people are familiar with. And on the Dallas side of things, a little bit similar. Not as many reps as the Rudolph-Haskins pairing, but because of Dak Prescott missing so much of last season, Garrett Gilbert does have an NFL start under his belt, as does Ben DiNucci if that's what you want to call what Ben DiNucci did. And then you also have Cooper Rush filling out the depth chart here for the Dallas Cowboys. Look, if I were to get involved with this game, and I'm not all too positive, as Donnie mentioned, that I am desperate to get involved with an NFL preseason game, it's probably towards the over of 32 and a half. If you go through just the last three NFL Hall of Fame games, two of the three have given you 33 or more points realistically it can kind of flip-flop depending how far you want to go back you know in terms of valuing nfl hall of fame game trends which obviously is an interesting thing to be breaking down here as well and also just to remind people here i mean you are going to be talking about the backups 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 playing as it pertains to these teams the Hall of Fame game is basically what you could liken to week zero in college football. Like They're playing a week before everybody else's first meaningless preseason game gets underway here, Donnie. So pretty much nobody worth all that much will be playing in this game. 
No, and also keep in mind, these guys have only been in camp for two weeks, and some of the, most of the guys playing tonight are just starting their NFL careers. Now, keep in mind, when you watch on TV, whether you're watching the NFL Network, ESPN, whatever you're watching preseason football, and particularly the practices when they go live with the practice reports, you'll notice in the background, Kevin, every single facility and every single team, they have multiple referees out on the field, on the practice field, to teach the players what they can and cannot do to refresh them on new penalties and what you can and cannot get away with. So a lot of times in the preseason, they are, and there are NFL referees, obviously, on the field, but they're also getting the players used to what you can and cannot do. They're going to be focused in on the holding. They're going to be focused in on lining up in the wrong direction, making sure you know, you're getting the plays off in time. So a lot of that leads to sloppy football play in the preseason, but that's done for a reason because the coaches on both sides can use that as a teachable moment. Hey, I told you, you can't get so handsy with the wide receiver after three or four yards over here. You make sure you line up and you check with the referees and wide receiver that you're lined up in position. Don't just line up up and you're half yards off sides, and then all of a sudden it turns into a penalty or an infraction on the offense at this time. These games are used for learning and to find out who the last five guys on your roster are. It's not to hone your skills and have the Pittsburgh Steelers play their full first team for the first three quarters and say, hey, we're ready for the NFL season. Now, keep in mind also, there's only three preseason games in the past. We've usually seen four. Last year, we didn't see any of those. So maybe teams take these a little bit differently. And now instead of waiting till the third game is a dress rehearsal, is the second game a dress rehearsal? And do you play guys a little bit more in the first game because there's only three games? Because what I can probably contemplate here, Kevin, when we used to have the fourth game, the fourth game was ridiculous. It was everybody that was like a hmm. high school, you know, player who thought they were anything that's their game then they get cut within 24 hours of that game ending is that now mean the third game of the preseason turns into the old fourth game and the second game means more and the first game means more you see what i'm going here it's very confusing so my whole hypothesis here is maybe you shouldn't be betting the nfl preseason to begin with because (laughs) there is no clear path but certainly bet responsibly have fun with the games but it is great to have football back in our lives the one thing i wanted to talk about a little bit with preseason football we got the word today or not today, but it's come out that Najee Harris, they plan on playing him in all four postseason games or preseason games, which is interesting. We'll talk more about Najee as well during Take It or Leave It a little bit here. But this is now something that we have seen is there are teams who just clearly don't believe in the preseason. Like Sean McVay walked in at LA. He's like, yeah, this is irrelevant. Like you will not see Matt Stafford throw a football in the preseason I'm one, and, I, and Donnie, I know you're very patient as it pertains to betting NFL football, even when the regular season gets underway. But do you care about whether or not a team is out there having relevant players participate in the preseason when we spin this to the regular season? It's a great question you bring up because everybody likes to jump. When week one, where we say the live bullets fly in the NFL, everybody's playing hard. You have to keep in mind, Kevin. These NFL seasons are so much different than what they were even five years ago. You're talking about the players who fought for the, or the players union fighting back against NFL ownership. They barely practice in the offseason. Kevin, they show up to camp. They don't even tackle. Their only goal is to keep these millionaires available for week one. And also you're talking about through the heat of August, the heat of early September in most places across the country where they're going to play football. How do we know what we're going to get out of week one, two, and three in the preseason, let alone week one, two, and three out of the regular season until these guys play a full quarter or full three quarters, a full four quarters in the regular season? When I take a look at betting football, you know me, Kev. I sit out the first two weeks of the season and really take a lot of notes because by week three, you'll know exactly where these teams are, who's good, who's bad, and who's ready to play. Take notes in the preseason over the first couple weeks. Be careful with that, but you can still have some fun. But betting in the preseason early in the football season, very hard for me to contemplate. There will be a couple of rookies, though, not only on the offensive side of the ball, but the defensive side of the ball in this game that we'll be eyeing up. We'll talk about some futures odds as we transition over to Take It or Leave It next, right here on The Early Line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. 
Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. here on the early line time for some take it or leave it and we have the cowboys and the steelers starting things off tonight with the nfl hall of fame game and both teams took some very relevant players as it pertains to not only offensive but defensive rookie of the year let's look at Najee harris right now donnie checking in at 10 to one to win offensive rookie of the year i'll throw you a couple statistics if you'd like since 2012 six of the 11 winners were quarterbacks four running backs and one wide receiver since that timeline there have been two winners from round three the rest of them all top 12 picks what do you think Najee harris 10 to 1 to an offensive rookie of the year I'm actually going to leave this on the table, Kevin, but I love where you're going with this because when it sets up, and if you take a look at the FanDuel Sportsbook right now, look at the odds between Trevor Lawrence and Najee Harris. Trevor Lawrence at plus 270, go down to Najee Harris. He is sitting at a 10 to 1. But look at the in-betweens here. Justin Fields, probably not going to get a lot of playing time, but at least we anticipate at this point Andy Dalton's probably going to get the football over the majority of the first maybe month of the season. If Dalton plays well, he's probably going to hold on to that job. Zach Wilson, who we know the Jets want to use and play, but not really that heralded guy that we're looking for. Like, hey, he's going to lead the Jets and throw for a ton of yards right out of the gate. More of a wait-and-see approach. Then you get down to Trey Lance, who, from all indications, is having a good camp. But Jimmy Garoppolo, for some reason, is playing the best he's ever played in his NFL in his NFL career. Then you get down to Mac Jones, who I think has a legitimate chance at Rookie of the Year. But from all indications out of New England, hey, look how good Cam Newton looks. Now he has weapons around him. We're going to go with the old veteran, which leaves you with two. Two choices here, Kevin. Trevor Lawrence, who no matter what happens outside of catastrophic injury, is going to start 17 games whether he plays well or not, which means he's going to rack up yards. And if they pick up their six or seven wins on the season, you're probably looking at him being the easy favorite here to win Rookie of the Year. But if I had my choice of all those guys and just going over those quarterbacks there that are sandwiched in the middle, there's a good chance that they're not going to see extended playing time when you know Najee Harris right off the bat is going to be a day one starter for the series and getting a huge share of carries and also catches out of the backfield. It's a great point you bring up. It almost wants me to say I want to take this as he's going to win a 10 to 1, but I do think Trevor Lawrence wins it. But if I'm not going Trevor Lawrence, it's Najee Harris for me, Kevin. Yeah, like so if this was hot or not, there's value on Najee. It's piping hot because yes. three of the guys in front of him are with the same odds. Probably don't start week one. That's going to absolutely impact him, as Donnie said. I do think Trevor's the rightful favorite. I, I think the 270 number on Trevor still makes some sense here because I cannot wait to see what they do to this market when they name Cam Newton, Jimmy Garoppolo, and Andy Dalton week one starters. Like, are are all of these guys going to watch numbers be cut, you know, or be doubled, tripled? That's when value will be fascinating. I think Kyle Pitts is live in the market. I've talked about Devonta Smith being live in the market. And here's the thing about Travis Etienne, right? Because if, oh, Najee's live, is Etienne live? No, no. I don't know if James Robinson is just going to be punted to the sideline who ran for 1,000 yards. And again, ETN's going to beat out Trevor Lawrence. I, I don't see that happening. I think Trevor is head and shoulders above this field. Najee has some value, but he wouldn't be my pick. We also have Micah Parsons, who's going to be 
in this game here. The Dallas Cowboys took him at 12 overall out of Penn State. He is the favorite to win Defensive Rookie of the Year at plus 550. Donnie, again, I have a couple of stats here, so why not share them? Since 2010, seven of the 11 winners of this award were pass rushers. Two corners and two linebackers make up the other spots. What's fascinating is of the prior 11 years to that mark, nine of the 11 were linebackers. It makes me wonder if things have kind of passed that position by dominating this award. And since 2000, every single player that has won Defensive Rookie of the Year was at least a top 40 pick, and only three of them of the 21 that we're talking about here were second rounders. This basically is a first round choice award here, Donnie. Take or leave it, Micah Parsons, to win Defensive Rookie of the Year. Hey, it's a Dallas Cowboy, but money is money, and I actually agree with this. So I'm going to take Michael Parsons' defensive rookie player of the year here at plus 550 on the Spandle Sportsbook. It makes the most sense, and you are so right here. It has to be a pass rusher because why you're always in the spot. We look for big things and splash plays in the NFL when you're picking MVPs, rookie of the years. You want statistics, right? Maybe not so much a middle linebacker. Hey, at 85 tackles. Okay, at one interception and one fumble recovery. But when you look at the defensive line position, what sticks out is a rookie. And a rookie defensive end can really get after it or linebacker that's put into pass rushing situations. It's basically the same as we talk about Najee Harris as a running back. Hey, kid, here's the football. Run really hard and fast and see if you can pick up some yards. It's the same type of mentality where you're coming in as an ultra athlete. Hey, you, see the quarterback go tackle him. And if you could do that eight times out of 17 games, you're probably going to be the rookie of the year, which I think Michael Parsons has a very good shot at doing. Quiddy Pays behind him, Jamie Davis, Jalen Phillips, Patrick Sertan the second, because when you're talking about Kevin, as you stated, a cornerback or a defensive back, a rookie getting like nine interceptions and leading the NFL might be a little bit hard to come by, but a rookie that can get to the quarterback around 10 times, that's going to get the highlights. That's going to be a big-name player, and it fits right in the Micah Parsons. Drafted in the first round, extremely successful in college, goes to the Dallas Cowboys. We'll have the pub each and every week. If that guy gets eight-plus sacks, Kevin, he's going to win Defensive Rookie of the Year, no doubt in my mind. Plus 550, I'll take that all day long. The guy that jumps out for value, again, I think I think Mika Parsons is an accurate favorite. Do I love plus 550? No, I'd leave it. Gregory Rousseau does jump out to me, Donnie, a little bit there. Coming over from the U, was the 30th overall pick by the Buffalo Bills. Again, if somebody can just stack up the sacks, that's all that'll matter. And Rousseau could have some nice rushing lanes available to him, of course, on the defensive side of the football there with the Buffalo Bills. I want to bring up some win totals as well from the college football scene. We've been breaking down some uh, college football win totals here recently on the show. Yesterday, we broke into the Big 12. Oklahoma, Iowa State. We go down a tier. Texas and Oklahoma State have the same exact number. We'll start with the Longhorns, Donnie. Seven and a half is the Texas number. Take it or leave it over. Seven and a half wins for Stark in his first year over there with Texas. Yeah, I do think there's a legitimate chance that they're going to be able to take down that seven and a half wins. Because, again, you're talking about an an eight-game schedule, which for mighty Texas, eight and four overall. Kevin, I mean, come on now. That should be happening and taking place. But when we go over through the actual roster and the construction, you do. I love Sark going there, by the way. One of the best offensive minds in college football, no doubt in my mind. He's going to improve the Texas franchise. But overall, you're looking at eight returning starters on offense, which is great. Take a look at the defense, six returning starters. You usually get the cream of the crop in Texas. They have good recruiting class after good recruiting class. But the problem now, Kevin, for me is Sam Ollinger, who has been the end-all, be-all for the past couple of years, running, passing, your team leader, you're going to have to replace that. Now, the good part about that is you do have some talented running backs bringing back your two top guys from last year and a good wide-receiving core as well. But the problem in college football, the same way it is in the NFL and the same way it is in high school, you are all about your quarterback and how you can learn a new system and put that talent onto the football field. Seven and a half to me is not a high number. I think they can squeak by that. To me, it's more likely, Kevin, they're going to win eight games than seven games or less. So that's why I'm going to take this. I think the Texans Longhorns definitely can get the eight wins this year, but it's all about the quarterback. Yeah, it is a take it for me. I like Sark as well. I like the vibe that is around this Texas team. Robinson, the running back, is getting a lot of the pub, rightfully so. He's got a 30-1 to number on him to win the Heisman Trophy, which is not an insignificant number whatsoever. I mean, you look at that, you know, Desmond Ritter, Brock Purdy, similar names in that same range there. Donnie, you make the point about the quarterback. 
look, you try not to overreact. Casey Thompson checks into this team at the Alamo Bowl. 8 of 10, 170 yards, 4 touchdowns. They scored on every single one of his 5 drives. If that's even somewhat real. I, like, I already know this. As we've been getting ready for the college football season, Donnie, I've been mentally circling, circling teams that I will be betting team totals early on. Texas is one of them. And the reality is Casey Thompson has yet to be named the starter. I'm of the mind that if he does lose the job, that's good for Texas because then that means that he was outperformed in a positive way. I am excited for what Texas can do. I think over eight uh, or over seven and a half is a very live number for them. Let's go over to Stillwater here, keeping it in the Big 12. Donnie, Oklahoma State, seven and a half wins. Gundy entered with controversy last year. They lose Chubba Hubbard. What do you think about this group right now coming in with a win total of seven and a half? Yeah, it would have been nice to obviously have Hubbard back, who had not won him, one of the best running backs in the country. But when we look at the Big 12 here, Kevin, it seems to me that it's really the haves and the have-nots that we like to take a look at, right? Kansas, Texas Tech, Baylor, Kansas State, West Virginia, not all that good. So you should be able to beat up on that lower-level competition. But the same thing we just talked about the Texas Longhorns, Kevin, that maybe the deficiency at the quarterback position, and we don't know what we're going to get. The one thing with Oklahoma State and Gundy, we know what we're going to get. Spencer Sanders threw for 2,000 yards last year, returning back on the offensive side of the football. Only five total returns returning starters on the defense, eight total returning starters. But if you're going to lose Hubbard, your four out of five top rushers from last year are back on this roster. You are going to have to break in some new wide receivers. But when you take a look at the schedule, again, keep in mind, it's a 12-game slate. Eight and four gets this done. Starting at the season, Missouri State, that should be a victory. At home against Tulsa, that should be a victory. At Boise State, maybe a tough one, but I think they can pull that one out. Kansas State, Baylor, and then you probably have those back-to-back games here, Kevin, right in the middle of that schedule. They'll struggle with at Texas and at Iowa State. I do have them as losses. Kansas, they should win. West Virginia is not very good. They should beat them. TCU, good football team, but they have them at home. And then you have at Texas Tech, which should be that clinching game, at least for me, before you take on Oklahoma in your own building for Bedlam. I think they get eight wins as well. It seems like I'm taking a lot of overs here in college football for the teams, <laughs> but we haven't really reviewed the poor teams, and you should be able to pick up four to five easy victories here in conference play this year, Kevin, for the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Of all the win totals we've talked about, the Oklahoma State over seven and a half is my favorite. Yes, at Texas, at Iowa State is tough. They win in those places. They won their last four down in Ames. They've gone and beaten Texas five of the last six times in their building. You get a split there. This team is going to get over seven and a half wins. I really like that number. Let's preview the baseball board next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. back here on the early line just want to let people know right now france 87 85 late into that game so uh turn that on where i don't know you have to figure it out I, again the olympics <laughs> just absolutely Watch miserable coverage 
Yeah, I mean, put it on like somewhere. You know what? You'd be too distracted. We'll let you know the final. Don't even worry about it. But we are checking this game out there. Again, it'll decide the gold game. So it's a certainly uh, a very big deal as to who USA will play. But we want to go through today's Major League Baseball board. A lot of big action here. Where am I going to start? Everybody's favorite ballpark. At least according to Donnie's live bets, Mets Marlins down in Miami. Rich Hill is on the mound as a minus 126 favorite. The total is an eight. I said yesterday, like the Mets were guaranteed to win because it was a four game series and all they do is split. They lost the first two. They're going to win the first two. Legitimately, no analysis past the fact, Donnie, that all they do is split. The Mets will win this baseball game, but I'm sure you've got a little bit more that you could tell the people about this game. Yeah, 12 o'clock start down there in Miami. So what are we thinking on, Kev? Maybe over-under for, forget the game total at the 8, over-under for fans, 100, 150 in that range. We'll see how many they pack <laughs> into the stadium down there in Miami. But Garrett's a lefty on the mound. You should be able to hit this guy. Over the last 30 days, Kevin, 37 batters, this left-handed pitcher has faced from the right-hand side, a 382 weighted on base average and a 303 ISO power number. The only issue that you might run into a little bit here is you look on paper, and that's a very talented Mets lineup, but they're going to throw a lot of lefties in today. Nimmo, McNeil, Smith. Actually, it looks like they changed that a little bit. So only three out of the eligible eight batters from the left-hand side, which is a good thing. And why do I bring that up? Garrett's a lefty versus lefties, 11 batters he's faced over the last 30 days. Not a big sample size, but still, Kevin, 273 weighted on base average and an ISO power number of zero. He's handling his business, but not a great-looking lineup overall according to batting against left-handed pitchers. So let's flip it over and see Rich Hill's on the mound. Oh, yeah? Nice acquisition by the you know hmm. New York Mets, or so one would think. Not so fast here. XFIP, Kevin, over the last 30 days for Rich Hill, a 6.90. And if you take a look at he is a lefty, doing well against left-handed batters, but against righties, who he's faced, Kevin, 61 times over the last 30 days, a 403 weighted on base percentage and an ISO power number of 288. You're going to get a stacked lineup here of right-handed bats, the only problem is, just because they're right-handed bats, Kevin, doesn't always mean they hit. Look at the K percentages. And the reason I bring this up, because Rich Hill, over the past month, he's not striking out a lot of batters. But look at the first seven batters, excuse me, six batters in the lineup today for the Marlins. Strikeout percentages, percentages versus left-handed batters over the last 30 days. 27%, 40%, 37%, 25%. 71% and 35%. you got to put the ball in play if you want to score runs. This game, you know, is an 8. I don't know if it gets over that 8 number. Probably not. It's one of those things where if Donnie's, you know, up and active there at noon, I know personally that's usually when OKW's got to take his naps. But you're up and active. There will probably be live betting opportunities aplenty in that one. But also, again, legitimately, all the Mets do is split. Like, it worked yesterday. Just close your eyes. They'll win this baseball game. They'll just figure it out. Now, I have to go over to Angels Rangers. And you might be thinking, now listen, okay? Shohei's not on the mound. What are we doing here with this game? What we're doing is we're finding one of my favorite players the sport has to offer. Because he's left Philadelphia. He's left Donnie's life. But he's just found his home in Texas. Spencer Howard. Donnie, the main question I have is will Texas let this guy throw into the fifth inning? Because that would really change a whole lot of things about this guy. Now, look, see, we know our sarcasm meter is very high because I can see this taking place. <laughs> Let's just say the field, hey, look, man, this kid can't go over three innings. We don't want to stretch him out. And his first game for Texans, it's like seven and a third, you know, seven strikeouts, <laughs> two hits that he gave up going, I don't know why the Phillies yep. never let me pitch past the third. I just get going. I get, you know, my arm is nice and lubed up after the third inning. I like to go seven innings each and every time out. But getting back to the game itself, look, Spencer Howard over the last 30 <laughs> days, not a great pitcher, close to a 5x fifth number. Not devastating totals from a weighted on base perspective to lefties and righties, Kevin. But take a look. He just doesn't strike out a lot of guys. And that's usually an issue in Major League Baseball. But when you take a look at the roster lineup here, sure, Otani's anticipated to play in the number two hole today and, you know, not pitching on the mound. So maybe he gets a base hit, which he went 0 for 3 last night. But it's not a great looking lineup. And then you flip it over and say, well, can he get any meat left on the bone? Because Dylan Bondi is not a very good pitcher either over the past 30 days. He's only faced about 37, 38 batters, but getting lit up from both the left-handed and right-handed side. But then you look at the lineup, Kevin, from the Texas Rangers. It's one of those games that starts in the afternoon. Why would you be watching it? I don't know. Maybe because you're betting it. An over-under of nine. 
you probably think they could get over that total, even though the lineups don't make a whole lot of sense to me or look all that powerful. But you're talking about two technically bad pitchers and two average to below average bullpens that usually leads to runs, but money will not be spent on this game in the right side household. I can't wait for this game. I, I'm telling you, I can't wait. I don't know if I'll bet it. Spencer Howard is my absolute yeah. favorite. Like, here's the thing, too. Yeah. The Rangers are 30 games under 500, as if they care yeah. about Spencer and Howard's arm. Like, that's <laughs> all I want is for this guy to throw six innings. It's all I want. I will be tracking this game here. It wouldn't surprise me if I ended up playing the over, but, I mean, there's got to be better ways for me to spend my time. Let's talk about his former team, Phil's Nats, Aaron Nola up against Joe Ross. Nola has had his struggles on the road, Donnie, but the Phil's are nearing a minus 160 price with a total checking in here at eight and a half as they look down to take down Washington once again. Yeah, this is probably a price that you'd be willing to pay with the Phillies because the joke has been seemingly on the Phillies over the past couple days where they're barely a favorite, if not an underdog, versus a Washington Nationals team, not with great pitching or a good hitting lineup, waving the white flag, and don't have a great bullpen along with it. So Aaron Nola is your ace on the staff. I know Zach Wheeler technically is pitching better than him, but when you look to a number one in Philadelphia, you're always waiting on Aaron Nola. He has the pedigree to do that, and he's going up against an underwhelming lineup today. Now, the one thing if you want to say is a positive for the Washington Nationals, Kevin, even though they're dismantling their team over the past month or so they don't strike out all that much and sometimes that's half the battle putting the baseball in play when you have an opportunity but seeing nola here with an xfip number of 3.90 over the last 30 days left-handed batters he's dominating at a 207 weighted on base percentage and an iso power number of 125 little bit of struggles though kevin from the right hand side 45 batters over the last 30 days he's faced a 325 weighted on base average and an iso power number of 310 so if you're a right-handed batter, you can get after him. But look at the right-handed batters in the lineup tonight. Robles, Escobar, Berea, Keyboom, Bell. I mean, okay. And obviously you have Juan Soto sitting there as a lefty yeah. in the middle of the lineup, raking right-handed pitching. It just doesn't leave a lot to be desired. JT Realmuto got the night off last night. He's probably going to be back in the lineup, a much better pedigree. Joe Ross has had some success, but over the past month or so, really struggling, Kevin, with left-handed bats at 376 weighted on base average combined with a 235 ISO power number. Expected in the lineup lefties for the Philadelphia Phillies tonight, Jankowski. Harper, Gregorius, and Oduba Herrera. Nice-looking lineup for the Phillies tonight. They should win this game. 150 a little bit expensive, but I think that's worth the bite. I'm excited to watch it play out, though, because for a team like the Phillies, again, they have their similarities to the Yanks where you're like, all right, they should win, but this feels like this is where we can get tripped up. And uh, Joe Ross has had some success against the Phils this season. Uh, he first time he saw them, went six innings, gave up no earned runs, but gave up four runs, which is always interesting, and then pitched five shutout innings against them when he saw them uh, not that long ago, about a, a week or so ago on the 26th of July. So that will be an interesting game to watch. One of the few times I'm seeing a Phillies game, I'm like, eh, not sure I want to get involved with the total. What about a Blue Jays-Indians game here, Don? We've talked about it. The Rogers Center seemingly very kind right now to the Blue Jays. George Springer apparently has found himself a home in that ballpark. They're going up against Tristan McKenzie. What an odd thing. McKenzie got sent down by Cleveland. His first game up, a seven-inning shutout with one hit allowed against Kansas City. It's like, oh, man, did this guy figure it out? Absolutely not. Astros, Rays, White Sox all touched this guy up here. What do you make of Toronto as a minus 190 favorite with a total of nine and a half against Cleveland? Yep, doing your homework there, because you're right. When he came up from the minor leagues, like, hey, probably going to be a lot more the same. Wait a second. What did he work on, and what did he fix and handle? But now it looks like back in the rotation, getting a couple more starts under his belt. Back to that, hey, I'm going to pitch a couple innings and give up a few runs. Now, if we take a look at that Toronto lineup here, now healthy and happy at home in Toronto. Look at the first five batters of the game versus right-handed pitching, Kevin, over the last 30 days. And every one of these batters has at least 64 at-bats versus right-handed pitching. Look at the ISO power numbers here. George Springer in the leadoff hole, 339. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in the two-hole, 364. Marcus Simeon in the three-hole, 211. Then you look at Bichette, a cleanup, 228. And Teo Oscar Hernandez, 268. That is impressive right off the bat. So when we're looking at one of those will-they-score-in-the-first-inning-type wagers, you would think that Toronto would be able to get down. But also flipping it over from a perspective, you know, what Toronto is putting on the mound themselves. Ross Stripling. 
terrible over the last 30 days. Almost an XFIP approaching five and a half. Lefties and righties torching him. Take a look at these ISO power numbers here with Ross Stripling on the mound. An ISO power number of 406 from the left side and 480 from the right side as the anticipated pitcher tonight. But again, you're looking at a lineup for Cleveland that sometimes hits and sometimes doesn't. Take a look at last night. They couldn't do anything for the first seven innings and then explode for five to six runs late in that ball game yesterday. You're going to need to keep up with the Toronto Blue Jays today. I just don't know if that lineup can do it. They do have the ability to run some lefties out there as well. If they can touch up the first five innings, which looking at this game overall, you should get some runs over the first five innings in this one. I do think Cleveland participates at the plate, but it's going to be hard to go against them with that lineup that Toronto has, particularly being at home now in Skydome or Rogers Center, whatever they call it up there in Canada. Just want to pause the baseball board for a second here and let people know that it is going to be USA versus France in the gold game here. Phenomenal close to this game. Ball forced out of Luka's hands. A drive to the basket cut off by Nick Batum. A tremendous defensive play. One that the people of France will remember if this does result in a gold medal. Heck, a silver medal is nothing uh, to be upset about. Slovenia will be playing Australia in the bronze game. An awesome game that France wins 90-89. to Tremendous action. USA versus France in the gold game. A perfect opportunity opportunity for USA to complete that redemption story there and take things back and win gold here. Probably time for at least one more game, so obviously we got to talk about it. The New York Yankees. I'll say it right away. I can't believe that they're a minus 230 favorite over the Seattle Mariners. I know that Kendall Graveman doesn't play for this team anymore, but I mean, minus 230 is just an outrageous price, it feels like, on the Yanks, Donnie. Total checks in at nine and a half. Is the Yankee tax back, Kevin? That means, you know, over the past couple of years, mm-hmm. hey, the Yankees should be minus 140. Make them a 180 because everybody's betting the Yankees, and that feels like it is now. The good vibes back in the Bronx, double-digit run scored in the past two games. Getting a decent opponent in this one. We'll see the pitching matchup here. Tyler Anderson's going to be on the mound, a lefty here, which used to be for the Pittsburgh Pirates. We thought was headed to the Philadelphia Phillies, but ends up out in Seattle. And if you want to take advantage of this Yankees lineup, it's always against left-handed pitching. Anderson's got a 4.86 XFIP over the past 30 days. He has some decent splits here, Kevin, between lefties and righties. So the interesting part is, is he doesn't walk a lot of batters. We know the Yankees like to take walks, but look at the weighted on base averages. Of the nine eligible batters we anticipate being in the lineup tonight for the Yankees, eight of those, Kevin, above the minimum, and a lot of those guys in the 400 range for weighted on base averages. I think the good times continue to roll in the Bronx. I do think they're able to hit in this game tonight, but keep in mind, Seattle's got a pretty good bullpen here on the back end. Maybe you look at a first five wager, team total, or even a side for the Yankees early. I think they can handle their business and pick up the victory, though. Two straight games with double-digit runs scored by the New York Yankees. Expectations? Yeah, no, there's no way this goes wrong for the Yankees. Coming up next, Ariel joins Don to let you know what's coming up on the morning after. Keep it right here on SportsGrid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
back on the last segment today for the early line on a Thursday. Donnie Wright said along with Kevin Walsh, carried you through a full two hours. Some big doings here in the international basketball world. But over the next three hours, we got you covered right here on the Sports Grid Network. The morning after Ariel Epstein and Ben Stevens. Football season has begun. I saw you yesterday on social media posted a nice little Ravens picture, both you and your father. We can feel it, Ariel, can't we? Welcome into the show. You can feel it, Donnie. The football season's here. Unfortunately, because we just are so concerned about the two quarterbacks that start for the teams playing tonight in the Cowboys and the Steelers, it appears that Dak Prescott has not even made the trip for Dallas. And as for the Steelers, they already announced a few days ago Mason Rudolph's getting the start. I understand why the teams have to do it. I just wish that we saw the quarterbacks on the field for a snap. And then they walk off the field, even if it was in just like a jersey or something. No pads. I don't care. Just put them out there. (laughs) Yeah, sign some autographs, have some fun. I have to say, Ariel, my favorite preseason in the history of the National Football League was last year. Why? Because there was no preseason games out there that we had to watch. We just got right to the regular season. So we'll see what happens tonight. It is nice to have football back in our life, no doubt about it. But some big doings, as we said, in international basketball over at the Olympics, just finishing up. France, 90 to 89 over Slovenia. A great game right down the wire. Luka Doncic was sensational. I think you and I can both agree. It would have been nice to see Luka versus the world continue for one more game in the gold medal matchup as the Team USA squad 97-78 over Australia. I am so upset that we are not going to get Luka against Team (laughs) USA for gold. Team USA does advance. I'm happy that they ended up beating Australia. However, on the France side, way to mess it up, guys. I know there's a lot of good players, including Rudy Gobert, Evan Fournier. They're on the France side. However, it would have been incredible. Luka's had one of the best Olympics ever. He just had the triple-double. He had a near triple-double. He was two assists shy in his last game. I wish we could have seen Luka take on Team USA and taken the USA in his bare hands. (laughs) <laughs> yes, it would have been fun to watch. We all would have liked it, but it seemed to me my co-host here, Kevin Walsh, was rooting for Team France. So against both of us, Ariel, looking for Luca in the finals for the Olympic gold medal. Max Scherzer with a monster start last night for the Los Angeles Dodgers. I'm sure they're going to talk about it up here on the morning after the next three hours on the Sports Grid Network, handled by Ariel Epstein and Ben Stevens. We are out of here for the early line. See you tomorrow. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.